Welcome to the Success Journey Show. Let's travel together through the lives of individuals on the road to success. Hey, 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 what is going on, travelers? Welcome back to another week of the Success Journey Show. Man, we are so excited to be here with you. Uh, we This is a special, special show because as you see, we have a, another host uh, with, us, with us today uh, named Abe or Abraham Diaz, and he's going to share a little bit about himself. And what we're going to do today is that, you know, Abe is going to pretty much put Marlon and me on the spot, and we're going to, he's going to ask us some questions and interview us uh, around the topic of, of leadership uh, and kind of what our thoughts, thoughts are around that. But before I turn it over to Abe, we'll have Marlon just say a couple, couple words as to where you can find this show. Uh, and then we'll turn it over to Abe, and Abe can introduce himself, and then we'll go to the next segment of the show. Go ahead, Marlon. Hey, what's going on, Journey Squad? Hey, check it out. I know today you see us in suits, and you're like, man, what's the occasion, right? But, hey, if you're listening to this on your regular app, um, uh, iTunes, you can find us on the Success Journey Show. That's our channel. If you want to see us, you could definitely come over to YouTube, and you'll see us on the Success Journey Show. Now oh, you want to see Marlon today. You want to you see, want to see me today. today. You got, you got the, cam- I'm, I'm the new camera up today. Yeah, he has a new I'm camera. I'm up today. <laughs> yes, yes, and I got a new camera. Ricky hooked me up. Ricky been holding me in the dark for a while. He been trying to hold me down as a star, and he, and he knew I had that garbage web camera. So what? When I came back off vacation, I had a present at my house, and I'll tell we'll tell you about that story another time. But he, I had a present at my house, and he sent me a brand new um camera. Because he said you've been looking jacked up. So that's where I am. So like I said, you can find us everywhere um, on any platform, The Success Journey Show, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can find us, The Success Journey Show, Twitter, success underscore show. And I want to turn it over to Abe. Abe's going to tell us a little bit about himself. And then we're going to go into this uh, question and answer segment. Very good. Thank you, Marlon, and thank you, Ricky, for inviting me to your show and being the host today about leadership. Uh, My training, basically, I come from New York City, from Queens. I I was in a Queensborough Community College, and then I I went to New Jersey to to continue my studies as an engineering student. Then I developed some skills, and I was hired at Toyota Motor Engineering, so I went to Kentucky, and I worked for the Japanese for four and a half years. Mm. And in Kentucky, you develop different uh, set of skills because you need to communicate with the Japanese. They they don't communicate very well in English, so you need to translate to them in in, in a different setting. Meaning, a, a visual a visual setting was what I learned while working for the Japanese. Is a good leadership skill to have, having. Mm. Uh, uh, aids in order to communicate the message to other uh, your teammates or your boss, for example. Then I came here to this area, Baltimore and Washington, and I started working for the government. I started working for the Department of Transportation for 10 years uh, as with the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration, which is the agency that regulates the automobile industry. You know, anything that moves in the United States roads, that is motorcycles, automobiles, 18-wheeler trucks, I mean, anything, okay? Yeah. Then uh, 
almost at the end tip end of my journey with the with the government i i came to to come to john hopkins john hopkins carry business school and i met different leaders including professors you know classmates uh, colleagues including uh, uh, the dean among others and then uh, i developed some leadership skills there so today i'm going to interview ricky and marlon about leadership or what leadership styles we need to have in today's society, especially after COVID-19 or during COVID-19, during this pandemic. Mm, okay. Yes. So, so my first question to either one of you all would be, you know, as a leaders or leaders in the making, what, what will be the most important values that you see on a person or traits that a leader should have in order to positively impact the organizations, the societies, or the communities that we live in? What is the most important values or traits that a leader, a leader should have? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, and you know, it makes you stop and think. And could you, the one thing you said in that question was, you know, now after COVID, right? And yeah. A couple of years ago, we could have answered that question a little bit differently, but I think just based off the circumstances that we are currently seeing right now, we have to ask these elements of, you know, there's a lot more going on in this world. There's a lot more that's taking place in people's lives. And as a leader, we have to be able to sympathize with that um, and be able to recognize that it's bigger than just capabilities that people have, but also what are some of the issues that are going on in their lives? Um, and be able to create atmosphere, be flexible and create atmosphere that are conducive to uh, uh, people that have all these different walks of lives, lives right nowadays, right? So, so now what the pandemic has, has done has expanded the reach for um, these organizations to reach people all over the globe to work in your organization. So no longer is it something, someone that's native to your local area or moving to your local area to work with your organization. Now they could be, you know, half halfway around the world or six, six, three, three hours away, six hours away. And you have to, as a leader, you have to learn how to be able to adjust to that and be flexible enough to that that person feels comfortable enough to be able to perform their, their, their best work. Right. And I, and I don't know if I, I can point it down to like maybe one or two things that, a leader should possess in terms of a word, but I'm just kind of describing the situation in itself. Um, and that's the first thing that's popped in my mind is how relevant are we? How in touch are we with um, not only the work that needs to be done, but the people that are going to be performing the work uh, with us uh, in our team? So that's kind of that's kind of how I answer that question. Uh, and I can even go a little bit deeper a little bit later, but I'll let Marlon go ahead and share a little bit more. Okay, yeah, Ricky, you touched the nail on the head. I was thinking the same thing. This aggregated operations is very important because now, like Ricky said, you have somebody that's in different parts of the world. Before the boss, if you were or a leader, if you're in the workplace and someone, everybody came to the workplace, you kind of have, because I'm the leader, they're watching and say, okay, I got to perform, right? But now somebody's at their house like you say, hundreds of miles away. And now I have to have buy-in. So I think one thing that I would harp on is the buy-in 
a leader has to be able to have the buy-in from those from the subordinates to be able to complete the mission. Because if you don't have that buy-in, then as a team, they're not going to be cohesive and to complete the mission. So I don't want to prolong what Ricky said because Ricky nailed on the head, but having the buy-in once you're into those uh, decentralized operations or disaggregated operations, whichever one you want to call it, then you would have to say, okay, I need to be able to have that buy-in. And then you have to have some uh, kind of uh, listening and, and persuasion and sales within that leadership to able to get that person to have um, some form of buy-in. Okay, so so basically, uh, from the two of you, what I'm getting is Ricky saying, because everybody is in different parts of the world, we need to have flexibility. That was the main point. Fle bosses or, or managers need to have flexibility with their subordinates, okay? Yes. And what Marlon is saying is the buy-in, or, or what I translate or understand is accountability within your subordinates, right? The same thing. Correct. They yes. need to have ability and they need to have the accountability in place. Yeah. That's very good. That's very good. Uh, now I'm going to answer on my point of view. Uh, yeah. You know, leadership, I think one of the most important characteristics uh, from attentive leader, I wrote it down here so I don't, I don't forget about it, yeah. is that, uh, uh, that, that we need to listen to the feedback your team is giving you. Because yeah. They work in, in different places. They're going to feed it back to you yeah. and they analyze all their viewpoints, right? From, mm -hmm. I don't know, from people in Chicago, maybe somebody in Miami, and they're listening. And you have to listen to all of them in order to perform and in order to get to that milestone stage, okay? You have to listen to their feedback. Yeah. So that's my, my take. Yeah. No, that's really that's right on point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so let's go. Let's go to the to the next question. So uh, I would also like to add uh, that in in today's well, right now we are living in this uh, remote situation. But when we were in face to face dealings uh, as a leader, one of the characteristics that is that you need to have institutional. Eye for leadership, meaning you have to be able to recognize your top performers and your and the other people in your team, and you have to be able to have this institutional eye, so that you could delegate your your activities. If you know who the top performer is, then you'll be able to delegate. This is the guy that's gonna do the job. I'm gonna hand yes. it him and I'm going to give this task to him and then you give it to the other person the other task so can you tell me about an experience or a personal uh, journey that you had where you were part of a team and you were able to figure who was among the team that guy who was the person that was pushing the envelope did you have bottom line did you have the institutional eye to be able to recognize that top performer. Yeah. Tell us about an experience. Uh, in first this time, Marlon. Yeah, so I'll go wait. first. So, so I'll tell you, um, uh, since you asked, Rick. No, with five friends, even a basketball team, a baseball team, just yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'm going to talk about, because um, 
So when I was a recruiter, I became a staff NCOIC. That's a that's the person that was in charge of the shop to make sure everybody was um, recruiting. Um, I'm in the Marine Corps, so they were recruiting. Now I'm going to answer this question two two ways or pose a question back to you to see how you'd handle this. And I was able to see my top performers straight from basic analytics and from from stats, because the top performer, if I say, hey, you have to have three people to put into Marine Corps this month, which you're thinking the three person, you're like, oh, that's not pretty hard, but it's pretty hard because there's a, there's a process to go through. So, um, and we do something we call systematic recruiting. That means we do everything by a process. And there was, there was a guy that he, one of my worker, one of my guys, he was able to complete this process. The way he interacted with kids, it would be beautiful because at the end of every, almost every interview he had with a kid, that kid would be ready to join the Marine Corps. The others, they struggled a little bit. So as a leader, I noticed that. And I did jump on his back a lot, meaning ride him a little bit because I needed him because of the numbers that we had. So if we had to put in 10 for the month, I had three recruiters or whatever, I would be saying, hey, Diaz, I need more from you because these guys are only going to give me two apiece. I need six from you, right? But after a while, as a leader, I have to also recognize that you could burn that person out and then make him stagnant or not want to produce because that person feels like, mm, I'm do because I'm doing so much, I'm getting tasked the most and we're all getting the same pay <laughs> or we're all have the same position. Why is that? Do I need to move up and different stuff like that? So as a leader, I did notice that. And it's important that you notice that as a leader because you have to understand everybody's uh, characteristics or how they operate within that team and then place everybody where you need them to play, um, to be. And Ricky, I'm not going to steal the whole thing because it's not a very thin question. So you can go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no. Great, great, great answer. Um, I... I, I, my first thing I thought of Abe, when you said it was, you know, I, I went back in, in my day uh, when I was on the football field. And um, since we're, we look like commentators today, I figured I'll just use that as my, <laughs> That's very good. That's as my good. example. Right. Um, so I, I remember I was, I was a running back and you know, when certain plays are called, you know, um, you know, how many, you know, you're trying to get, how many yards you're trying to get to get the first down or whatever it may be or the touchdown. Um, and you know, you know, when certain plays are called the people that are in front of you to block, right? So you understand their capabilities of being able to control the pathway for you to run through and how much effort you have to do on your end in order to get accomplish the task of getting yardage. Right. And when you start looking at the circuit, the situation that you're in, um, you call a play based off of, you know, not only the, the, to get through the situation that you're in, you can be third and third and six, third and 10, two and two and five, whatever it is. Um, but you also call the base off of who's on the field at the time and who can get the job done. Right. So there'll be times where, you know, a play is called, you know, by the coach and you as, you know, one of the captains and you're running back, 
you you know when you get the plays get ready to go, you know kind of what effort you're gonna have to put out, right? If I go to the left, um, you know, I, I may have to, you know, fight off a few more people. If I go to the right, I may not have to do as much. Or if I'm a lead blocker, I know that okay, well, I can almost for sure say that someone's gonna get through the line on this on the left side. So I need to be ready to block versus the right side, it may be a little bit stronger. And I say all of that to say is just kind of understanding that the dynamics of your team, the strengths and the weaknesses on whatever side that that, that you're on. And I wouldn't say weaknesses in the sense that there's a, there's a weak link, but more so their strength may be in a different capacity, right? So as a leader, understanding who's in the right position at the right time in order to accomplish or overcome this certain the the the, the 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 ball positioning i would say right at that time right um i needed i need i need to get a first down so if i need to get a first down hey i need you three in the game on a line because i know you're going to block in a certain way i need to, i need to throw for a touchdown so i need to make sure these two wide receivers are on the field so i know that i know they're going to be able to get open right so all of those different things and and going back to your question of is there been a time where you know, you, you try to really just understanding your team and knowing, you know, who works here and who works there. It's like that all built up into my professional career as in, okay, you, you know, you have a project at hand and the project needs to get done. Okay. I know who I need to email a little bit more in order to get something done. I know who I need to go by their desk a little bit more or less, or give us a little bit information and let them just be on their way and do their thing versus others where I may have to walk a paper to their desk to get it signed versus just shooting them an email. You know, all those different situations because you have that goal in mind to get that project done. Um, I think it's very key to be have that awareness of the team that you have around you and how you can operate in order to make sure that the overall goal is achieved. Very good, Ricky. I agree with you. Uh, uh, portraying uh, sports behaviors, having that institutional eye within the sports yeah. can translate into the office, just like you said, and be able to recognize the entire team. Yeah, it's very important. It's the same thing. So, a sports ability has a different uh, has different um, gaming, but it's the same principles that you can apply it into the office, like you have said. Yeah, uh, Mark. Marlon was right too. Okay, uh, he was able to know. He was able to know who was the top performer, and he now he didn't want to burn out his top performer. So mm -hmm. he knew how to delegate, or he he knows how to delegate to others so that he doesn't burn his top performer. Now I'm gonna speak of my personal experience that was recent. You know, I was taking. We were a team of five in, in the group. And we were presenting, we were given a task of presenting on how to fix Amazon. Could you believe Amazon is having problems at their headquarters and we needed to present. So we were given one week. We were given one, I mean, eight weeks, but yeah. I was, we, we needed to define who was the leader of the team. And I needed, okay. we needed only one week to define who was the leader. So they gave us, you know, different readings from Amazons and we need to write many things. So I had to read every single team member's thoughts and input. And then I was, I had to figure out 
who had the ability to lead the team to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And tell you the truth, between there were two males and three females, uh, including myself. And between that group of members, one female, uh, I had determined that was the leader and had what it takes to lead the, the Amazon uh, effort. So uh, it, it was very good. So I had only one week to do that. So that's called institutional eye for leadership, recognizing who is the leader. If you are able to recognize your team members, you are a leader yourselves. Okay. That's, that's important. Yeah. 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 Uh, Okay. And this book that I'm going to share with you is called authentic leadership. It was written by, he was the CEO of Medtronic, you know, it's, is a medical device company, one of the leading medical device companies here. He, he said the following. He said the following that is the most important in the whole book. He said, we need authentic leaders and people of the highest integrity committed to building enduring organizations and communities. We need leaders who have a deep sense of purpose and are true to their core values. So you need to be true to your crew values, you know. We need leaders with the courage to build their companies. In this case, it also applies to communities, families, and cities to meet the needs of all the stakeholders, or in this case, investors. And the most important prevalent phrase here is leaders who recognize the importance of their service to society will succeed. So Mm -hmm. this is very important. We need to recognize our service to the community, to society. And I said this because we, I'm going to speak about Baltimore now. You know, Baltimore has been a city where it's always high crime, you know. Uh, the infrastructure system, they're fixing it. For the past 10 years, I've seen, I've seen different projects that are taking place in Baltimore that are uh, changing the city little by little. You know, a small project infrastructure little by little. Yeah. So... So I know Mayor Brandon is taking and he is leading uh, many efforts. And there's been, there has been a whole lot of construction around Baltimore. Uh, so here it is. Do we have leaders today within, you know, that represent the city of Baltimore that have this courage? This, do we believe that do they have this service to society? Are they embedded within their values to have, you know, the service to the city of Baltimore? Let's change Baltimore for good, you know? Mm. Mm. You know, I want to talk about, so I'm going to, I'm going to let Ricky, Ricky has more ties to Baltimore than I do. So when it comes to leaders, I know he probably knows way more leaders than I do because he's very, um, been embedded with the community nonprofit, all that stuff, and he'll go through that. However, what I want to talk about, so we're on the success journey show. And on the success journey show, we have our core values. Our core values says dream, drive, discipline, and diligence. Very good. If you have those four things, what we're saying in any facet of life, you can succeed. However, what we wanted to do was wanted to show people that we wanted to invest in some places that people would say, listen, that's not a good place to go to or whatever the situation. So what we have done, we said we wanted to bring a different 
kind of um, vantage point or view to Baltimore. So we bought a um, a housing um, a, a, a house, um, one of the row houses. And what we have done is we have gone in there and we're refurbishing it so we can rent it out to the people of Baltimore, trying to gentrify or help the gentrification process by um, buying uh, buying a house and fix it up. So we're not trying to push out the people that are there. We're trying to make it affordable for the people that are there. And, be, and it's because of our core values, just like you mentioned in that book where he said, if, if people don't um, stay true to their core values and actually give back, a lot of people, if you always take from a tree or you take from somewhere a jar of money, if you always take from the jar of money and never put back, there, one point is gonna get empty. So what we're trying to do is give back to the community by just letting other people know and now we have an idea, a long-term idea, to show other people that have lived in Baltimore how they can effectively do what we're doing. So we want to be service to the community and at the same time be true to our values of the, our show, the Success Journey Show, Dream, Drive, Discipline, and Diligence. Yeah, yeah Marlon, no, that's, that's great. I'm glad you said that. And hey, man, you're trying to put me on the spot. You don't have to speak about leaders. I know, I know what you mean. I was just messing with you. I was You know, you don't have to speak about But speak about something that is happening in Baltimore that resembles leadership. <laughs> yeah. In the city of Baltimore, that resembles leadership, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, just, now I was just messing with you. They it there is when I drove into Baltimore for the well, my I have family that lives that lives in Baltimore, um, from from Baltimore. Um, but I moved back into the area a few years ago. And when I was driving around, I was like, man, how can I help make change in this city as I'm seeing changes starting to take place? How can I help with that effort? Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be surrounded with amazing amazing individuals that have a heart to see to for, for growth have a heart to give back to the community uh have a heart to uh give their resources and their talents and their time uh for the rebuilding of the city and the further nurturing uh of the city from from and, I, and i'll go from people that are going into schools and speaking to the 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 K through 12 students about different pathways that they can do in education uh, from individuals that are feeding uh, the homeless and providing programming around, around them, um, from uh, corporate individuals uh, that are leading teams and efforts to try to use their, uh, uh, leverage their position in order to create jobs and create opportunities for people in the city of Baltimore to building structures that will in, in, inevitably bring more, attract more people to Baltimore and provide more opportunities uh, for its residents. You know, and this can't happen without, without being behind great leadership. Um, to, to construct a, 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 and develop a program, to construct and put together a, 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 a building, to uh, uh, build together, put together efforts in order to service uh, uh, startups that are that are being birthed in the area that are that are here to help support their communities specifically 
you know, that takes all great effort and great leadership. So I would say I have been uh, blessed to meet these individuals, work with these individuals alongside these individuals, um, and, and, and contribute at whatever level I could contribute to the furthering of the growth of, of, this, of this great city. Um, I mean, Baltimore is great to its bones, and, and, and I believe that you know, a lot of leaders see that the, what they're trying to do now is uh, addressing a problem that has been around for many generations, and it's not gonna happen overnight. It's gonna happen right. with consistency, it's going to happen with dedication, uh, having that dream that one day the city would be where you want it to be, that drive in order to get it there, that dis- discipline and diligence um, to put into place all of these actions and pull all these different uh, uh, organizations together to make it happen in order to realize, you know, the full potential of what Baltimore was and it could be. Yes, very good, Ricky. Thank you so um, much. Um, um, Yes, yes, Marlon. Before you go on, I want to plug a, a, a something, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to miss it. Ricky and I, this so this show has been three years, and um, we truly want to give back, and we have some stuff that we sell, we have merch that we sell, and stuff like that. And this year, um, because of some of the merch that we have sold, what we've ended up doing, we started up. This year would be the first of a continuing. Um, we're doing a scholarship to the Hartford um, Community College, right? And this year we'd be sponsoring, we'd be giving two uh, uh, seniors going into college next year, um, scholarship to that, um, to, that, to, to that college. So those are some of the things that we see that is necessary to help. And it's only because of, um, not only because, but Ricky opened my eyes to Baltimore because like I said, I'm not a native of Baltimore. I've only lived, I'm here in DC, but because of Ricky's connection to Baltimore and some of the some of the things that he have done and what he expressed to me, that I really have a understanding of what we can do and what we continue to do for that city. That that was very good, Marlon, that you said because I what I was going to comment is that education is very important and what you're doing, giving these scholarships to a Hartford Community College graduates in order for them to complete their studies is very important. Because in order to change the city of Baltimore and transform it, it's gonna take, like Ricky was saying, it's not gonna be just day by day, it's gonna take some years. But the two main components and formulas that we need to work on is number one, education. Mm -hmm. And not like uh, graduate level education, no. Education for the elementary school and high school. We need Mm -hmm. to grasp those roots and and foster education within that, those youth with uh, teenagers of the city of Baltimore. Number one is education. And the number two is the infrastructure, you know, the infrastructure of the city, you know, the roads, the bridges, all of that education is very important because the kids need to go to their school and there needs to be uh, well-established transportation. And it comes in a good point because there has been, uh, by the Biden administration, they approved $17 billion in today, yeah. Right. And some of that is going to go to the city of Baltimore. The Secretary of Transportation, actually, I don't know if you noticed, he came to the city of Baltimore, I think, in July. Oh, wow. 
Yes, the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, he came to the city of Baltimore to promote the, the infrastructure bill that, that the Democrats were passing by, you know. So I believe a great chunk of money is going to go to the city of Baltimore in order to, for that effort, you know. Because if we have money for the infrastructure, okay, for bridges and roads, then the mayor city office is able to take their budget and instead of spending it in infrastructure, they can spend it in education, you know, in the schools, you know, put that money to work in the education system. So that's yeah. very good. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see, what, what is the other question that I have here? Uh, okay, are there, the other question that I have, and I, I think this is the last one, so we can improvise after that. Mm -hmm. Are there any leaders that you don't necessarily have to follow this leader, but are there any leaders that you emulate? or that you want to become aligned with their leadership style, you know? And I'm gonna start answering this question myself, okay? So are there any leaders that you want to emulate or that you want to assimilate the leadership style? And I'm gonna start my, by me. Thank you for listening to the Success Journey Show. Please follow us on our social media on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at the Success Journey Show. Also, check out our website at thesuccessjourneyshow.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. I started in a community college. I met a professor called Robert Talamo. Robert Talamo was a retiree from the Bureau of, I think it was the CIA of the FBI. I can't remember. And he said the following during class. This was one of the first classes, okay? He said the following. In life, if you replace the word problem for challenge, everything mm. changes. Mm, you like replace the problem for challenge in any situation, he said that everything would change. And it was true, uh, Ricky. It was true, Marlon, because I carried that along my entire life. And every time I saw a problem in my brain, I saw it was a challenge. Oh, this is a challenge. And being a guy that was playing, you know, swimming, playing basketball in New York City, a challenge to me was like a play game. Hey, this is a challenge. This is a game. So to me, it was uh, an uh, it was a motivation for me to to finalize the problem or finalize the challenge. Mm -hmm. So I took that from him, Talamo. At the time when I met him, he was like seventy five years old. Okay. Then here at John Hopkins, I met another person. His name is. Bernard Ferrari. He's the dean of the school, and this is the book that he wrote. Okay, what I took from him, the, the book name is Power Listening. It's a little bit about business, but he said that the best leadership that someone has to have is the power of listening. Mm -hmm. So if you are able to listen uh, very good, then you become very powerful. And when he said listening, you know, I read the book and listening is more than just listening the words of the person. Listening requires, first is listening the voice of the person. The second skill is that you listen to the body movements of the person or the facial, the facial movement, you know. The third thing is the tone of voice of that person. Everything, I mean, if you put that together, everything, that's listening to a person. 
looking at the body movement, looking at the facial expressions, looking at the tone of voice, and then lastly, the message that they want to communicate. If you're able to, uh, to master this to any person, you will be able to, how do you say, you will be able to become a more effective leader. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because you have to listen to your children and you have to listen to your wife <laughs> and you have to listen to your boss. Yeah. So developing a listening is very good. Yeah. So Bernard Ferrari. And my last leader was uh, here in the Department of Transportation were, was Mark Roskine. Uh, so Mark Roskine was the head of the agency at the National Highway Federal Administration. Well, his leadership style was that he was a very good orator. You know, I, my English is my second language. I mean, I've been living here 25 years, but he could speak in a way that was very, how do you say, inspiring. You know, he used... He used a very good tone of voice, and he was, he how do you say, he was direct. Like, he he would go to the point, he would summarize it, and he was he was very good at it. So yeah. I'll become a good listener, a good orator, and always have my challenges. Those are mm-hmm. the three leadership characteristics that I take from my three leaders that I have met in my life, okay? Uh, so whoever wants to take it first yeah oh man i I couldn't give you i don't have a list of names of of leaders but what i have done is you know every leader that i have met or had the opportunity to work with I, i i pull something from them right so i'm always analyzing leaders and their leadership styles um from one leader like you like you have done and, and identified the three different things from three different people, I do the same exact thing and I adapt that through my life. So if I go to the beginning of my career and working uh, as, as an engineer, you know, uh, 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 one of the, the, the managing principles, you know, that took me under the wing, you know, I learned something from him. And then you go to the next career you, and you have another owner there, you're looking and watching how they communicate with people, how they uh, develop proposals, how they communicate with clients, how they communicate with, with the, uh, the, our colleagues, um, and, and you pull something from them. And it goes on and on. And by the time as you're growing, you are morphing into, oh, for me, I'm morphing into these things that I'm seeing and these attributes, these positive attributes from these individuals. So I'm not so, so what I'm doing is I'm not taking exactly and say, oh, I'm going to mimic exactly what you do. You know, I'm going to show up at the same time you show up. I'm going to, you know, wear the same clothes you wear. Uh, I'm going to drink the same coffee you drink, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to watch and take those particular things that really speak to me. That, And I'm going to take that and add that to what I do. Even down to an email, how, how you construct an email, you know, into the simplest things. Like you start taking bits and bits and pieces of it. And the next thing you know, you are this person that is a mixture of all the, the great experiences that you have been a witness to and the great leaders that you have been a witness to. And you're constantly, constantly, constantly in that mode of growing and learning uh, from others. So that's how I would, I would answer that one. Very good, Ricky. Very good. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Man, I'm telling you, um, you guys... 
they say they <laughs> you guys just they just expound on everything and it was beautiful and I'm in my head I'm like okay he took that point he took that point <laughs> he took that I love I love what you said about listening um today I was in a class um and I, I, I and, and I love that you talked about listening because we were talking about listening and they're talking about sometimes you have to listen to answer a question sometimes you have to listen to problem solve and sometimes you just have to know how to listen just to listen. And that's beautiful that what you talk about being li um, listening, because that does make you a better leader. Firm and fear. I'd like to talk about firm and fear. You know, when I when I first joined the Marine Corps, I was a I was a young man that was coming from New York. And you know, if you're coming from New York, you have a kind of a attitude, or we call it the swag, however you want to put it to make yourself feel better, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, attitude or swag, however you want to say it to make yourself feel better. But uh, when I first got to boot camp, I was like, man, mm, these guys here, um, I can tell you, Charles Walker, um, you have Mass Sergeant, um, uh, 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 um, oh, man, I forgot his name, but I'll, I'll come back. He's going to kill me if you ever watch this. But those guys, <laughs> they were my drill instructors, the Tosca. Uh, and those guys, those guys, they were, ugh. They could those do anything. put it on us. They put us. They put it on us. They made you sweat, right? But that was their job to do that in boot camp. So as a leader, because they're in that position, I was like, man, I really like how these guys. Even though at the time my my, my swag had to be adjusted, <laughs> right? <laughs> they <laughs> they um they did it in the right way. However, one of them right now is um is one of my good friends, and you know. When I see him now in a different light, that he's not in the sec, um, setting that he has to teach you how to become a Marine, now he's on the other aspect. So now he's firm in fear. And I could talk to him about certain things that I'm going through in the Marine Corps, and he could answer those and give me some feedback, you know? And then I look outside. You know, we have a friend named Donovan Genus. And Donovan was one of those guys that when we were younger, yeah. we looked up to him because of his style of leadership. He was not the person that was, he was he was judgmental. He will tell you when you when you mess up, but he'll also give you some love. And he was yeah. willing to go the mile with you. If you if you were, if you live half an hour away and he lived only a minute from the basketball court, but you wanted to play basketball with him, he would drive down to where you are to yeah. drive yeah. you back just yeah. to play basketball. He'll always try to involve and find people that were not accepted in the crowd to yeah. bring into the fold to let them feel that normalcy of or, 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 or of what it is to have a family. So yeah. those guys to me, um, I could even go to Ricky's father. I don't want to even uh, Ricky's father, brother ventures. Uh, he showed uh, when I saw a family setting, I saw brother ventures and um, Ricky, uh, Ricky ventures, senior. <laughs> um, he, he showed us how to be a family settings. I slept, Many a nights at Ricky's house in New York. Um, that was my that was my actual home. <laughs> I had my apartment, and all I did was pay for it because I I slept <laughs> mostly over their house. <laughs> he should have put me on his W two actually. But um, <laughs> but those guys to me, um, growing up through the different stages of life, um, I've taken I've taken those things away, put it in my toolbox, and implement those to become the leader that I am today and still growing and listening in order to be an effective leader. Very good. Yeah, that was good, Marlon, the way you, yeah, that was good. Yeah.
That was good. Yeah, yeah, Thanks. That was really good. Um, was, yeah. This is good. This is really this good. Is good. This yeah. is good. This was a good talk show today, guys. I, I have to tell you. Yeah. You know, uh, not did you know the DOT? You were the DOT, you said, right? Yeah, I worked for the I worked for the DOT for 10 years. Now I have my own uh, um, business business part. I'm I'm an investor now in the New York Stock Exchange. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, because uh, you know, I'm almost graduating. So the, this last year I have I will graduate in May. So I said I'm gonna quit, and this this last year I'm just gonna do investments in the New York Stock Exchange. So as I've been doing that, and I've been taking the the final classes for my graduation. You know, can we talk about you, um, the, the 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 stock exchange? I know we talk about the leadership and everything, but I think the yeah. stock exchange is a very important subject because a lot of people don't understand it. I think a lot of people are dabbling in it and they don't really understand it. They're just okay. dabbling. So. Um, Break it yeah. down for us. Yeah, I could talk. I could talk about it. So, so the old school of the stock exchange, you know, TDM, anywhere trade, that that's all gone now. Now these guys jumped in. I don't know if you have heard about something called Robinhood, right? Yes. Robinhood is a new platform that you could have in your cell phone, and you could even put five hundred dollars on any investments that you make they don't take any percentage. Correct. So it is, is, how do you say, there's no partake, they don't take any. So if you put $500, you invest $500. $500, yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's that's good. This is They call it in the Wall Street Journal, the new Wall Street, because they're not taking any money from you. Uh, now, in order to invest in the, in the stock, market basically there there's four things going on right now you have the stocks you know your regular stocks if you're a beginner investor then you have options options are a little bit different options are like derivatives. in options basically you take a stock and you say i'm going to invest here but this stock i think is going to go up so you yeah. invest that stock because you think is gonna go up. And you say, I'm gonna invest three weeks and I think it's gonna go up by $5. You said yeah. that. So whatever the premium is, if you invest, let's say this stock is $10. And if you invest and you're saying, no, this stock is gonna go up by $15, you gain that $5 premium, okay? Mm. That's an option. And this yeah. call, call. Yeah. Then the, the other way around happens too. You can invest in a put, meaning yeah. you, you invest $10 in this stock, but you think that the stock is going to go down. So it's going to go down by $5 per se. So you bet your money that the $100 or $500 that this stock is going to go down. And you gain money because you, you invested that the stock was going to go down. Now, that's an option. There's another investing strategies is called uh what is it called the call put and uh, yeah. it's called stratters stratters are options that go both ways but i really don't i haven't figured out yet meaning that you put an option but it can go both ways the stock oh, wow. can go or down you know and you still you, and you still make money oh wow you still make money i don't know how they do it you still make yeah, money I never that's, heard of called that one. that's called a straddle 
And okay. then the new thing that is happening nowadays is the ETFs. The ETF. Yep. I invest in uh, how do you call uh, uh, emerging markets ETFs. Uh, so I invested in emerging markets, you know, like the Philippines, yeah, Poland or Greece in third world countries that you think their economies is not too weak, but it's not too strong. You mm -hmm. think that they're they're like in the middle. So I invested in economies that are considered to be emerging markets. I have like five ETFs in emerging markets, okay? And then the new thing is the cryptocurrency. I have zero investments in cryptocurrency currently. And I can explain this. Cryptocurrency is so new, maybe five or seven years, that the fluctuation is very high. It's very, it, go, it goes up like 500%, it goes down 500%. <laughs> so yeah. that uh, is it's called having a high volatility, you know, very, very volatile, meaning yeah. it's, risky, it's very risky. So yeah. the same way you can win money in a cryptocurrency, you can lose the whole thing in a cryptocurrency. So right now, the people that are invested in cryptocurrency tell you the truth, in my opinion, are the people that have a whole lot of money that can't afford to lose a whole lot of money, you know? That's yeah. why I haven't invested in. But I'm waiting on this key thing. The federal government of the United States is trying to design a cryptocurrency that is based with the federal government, okay? A yeah. cryptocurrency from the federal government because they want to compete with international cryptocurrencies like the Chinese or the Europeans. Yeah. But because there's high volatility, meaning it's very risky, so they want to reduce that risky factor. And in order to reduce that risky factor, it has, to come, it has to come from the federal government because the federal government is a very stable institution. If you look, if you look at the bonds you know, of the federal governments, those are the safest investments. But because they're very safe, their, their volatility is very low. Like yeah. the, the, they don't go up really high or go no, down yeah, yeah, yeah. too much. They're, they're very stable. So they stay stable. It's very steady. That's why they want to go with cryptocurrency with the federal government to give a stability to the cryptocurrency. Once they do that, I don't know when they're going to do it. I've been reading the, the newspaper. But once they do it, I'm going to put some money on the government cryptocurrency. Okay, I'm going to put a whole lot of money on the cryptocurrency of the federal government only. So that's my okay. take. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like it. I, uh, I dabble in stocks. Just I think I dabble in stocks more so to keep myself abreast on what's going on with the... Because I think if you... Well, I know if you dabble in stocks, usually current events, you have to watch it a lot, right? Because current events affect how your stock goes yes, up or down. Yeah. Case in point, the bond, when America just bought all the bonds and stuff like that, it, it, it fluctuate. It helps it to fluctuate or give more strength to their eco the economy. So I I, I watch it. I, I dabbling it. I have, I do buy some cryptocurrency and my, my, um, I've. He's loaded. Friends. He's loaded. Abe. He's loaded. Oh, he's loaded. <laughs> <laughs> the currency. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, 
No, I know some guys. I know some guys that pulled me aside and said, hey, don't say anything. And they show me their account. But just like you said, I think a lot of people are trying to jump on it. But those guys started from their, so they put like probably their $10 that they put in now, even though it's fluctuate that five go up, go down. They, they, they invested at, at, the, at, at the ground level so much that right now they're up like that $10 turned to um, 100,000. So even if they lose, even if they lose, I'm just giving a number. If they, if they, just, if even if they lose ten thousand, they're still up because all they invested was either ten dollars or a hundred or hundred dollars. So yeah, I, yeah, they did it early. They did it early. But um, wow, yeah, we definitely have to get probably get you back on the show one time to talk about that because if you're saying that that's your that's your main source of income now, that's 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 a beautiful thing. That means you have to be reading and, and doing a lot, man. I or, guess. or are you a Warren Buffett that you buy and hold? I Well, I sign up for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, like you said, uh, it has a lot to do with speculations, okay? I yeah. sign up for the Wall Street Journal, and I sign up for the New York Times. Not so much of the New York Times, but more of the Wall Street Journal. So this Robinhood app has is the only, the only base uh, company that has pre-IPO initial public offering when a company is becoming public. So you get the stock at a very low value, initial value, even before the company becomes public. They they give you messages and they say, hey, this company is going to go public, invest in this company. And they give you articles and you read the articles. So that's very good. I'm waiting on a company that is called Perfect Day. Write it down. It's called Perfect Day. Perfect Day. This company. Go buy stocks right now. This company. This company developed. I don't know how they did it, but they developed milk. You know, milk protein, real protein using plant-based protein. So they Mm. they milk. So it's not. It's not cow milk anymore. It's just regular plant-based milk, and it has the same nutrients, okay? And, and it's called Perfect Day. I think, in my opinion, they have a very powerful formula huh, in, their, in, their, in their headquarters. So this company, whatever they did, they're going to go up, so no matter what. So I'm... The article came about three weeks ago that the company is planning to go public. So I'm waiting on Robinhood to tell me, hey, this perfect day is gonna go public. So you better invest now. So I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put a whole lot of chips in this company, to tell you the truth. Maybe 50% of my portfolio is gonna go to, to uh perfect day. That's confidence. That's confidence. Yes, perfect day is called the company. Another company, uh, but this one is a long way from the IPO. It's called Zeus. Zeus, Z-O-O-X, okay? okay? Zeus is a company that is developing the latest, most advanced technologies in autonomous driving. Oh, man. Autonomous yeah. driving. They're more advanced than any other company, okay? <laughs> any, they're based in California. They are making a vehicle and this vehicle doesn't have a steering wheel. It doesn't have a brake. It doesn't have a shift. It doesn't have an accelerator. It doesn't have nothing. It's just an automobile and it's being guided by your cell phone. 
Okay. These people, oh, wow. they're going to launch the vehicles as taxis in San Francisco. They already launched the vehicles. They're driving all the way to San Francisco. Okay. They're driving. Oh, but wow. they're are as a taxi crew. The CEO is a black African girl. I forget her name. She was born in Ghana, but she's been raised here in the U.S. It's a female black CEO, the CEO of this company. I don't know when they're going to go public, but I'm going to put the chips that I put in perfect day. I'm going to take them out and put them in. <laughs> wow. Bro, that's, that's Zeus. What, what other companies do I have in my, in my radar? Let me see. Any EVs? Huh? Any um, electronic vehicles? I know they're El autonomous, but e any... E this, these Zeus vehicles are uh, EVs. Oh, oh, okay, so that's going to be all-in-one, okay. So they're not yeah. just performing the autonomous. They're out actually making the vehicles. They're EVs. Through. They're EV vehicles. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Um, let me see. There's... Now, because I'm from John Hopkins, you know, I've been doing the carry business school for five years there. There's a, a lot of investment because of COVID, you know, it triggered a whole lot of investment in the healthcare division. Yeah. So I've been in meetings at John Hopkins and, and a whole lot of very powerful people are putting money in healthcare, including, you know, medical devices, telemedicine, you know, because people don't want to go to the doctor anymore. People want to go yep, telemedicine. Digital health. And it's, yeah. it's something they're, they're going to. Uh, medical devices, uh, what else? Um, 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 therapeutic, therapeutics. Okay. So, therapeutics, so yep. Yep. they are putting a whole lot of money, so much that in, in 2000 and, uh, what is it, 2019, Michael Bloomberg donated $150 million for scholarships for, how do you say, for STEM, STEM students, students yeah. that Hopkins, but these STEM students were, are from underrepresented uh, communities, meaning okay. either doesn't have the financials, you know, either Hispanic, Asian, African-American, or white, somebody that has economic hardships, yeah. then there he donated $150 million for the John Hopkins to go for this. He also donated $1.8 billion yes. for, for also for students underrepresented in minorities, whatever, that want to go to John Hopkins, okay? Yeah. About, I don't remember, this was before COVID, in the medical, what is it called? Maryland University Hospital, okay? They spent $70 million because they were going to open a facility in Baltimore for med uh, medical devices, okay? I forget the name of the person, but this is a person who, you know, who made a whole lot of money doing medical devices, and he's a graduate of Maryland University, and he donated $70 million to build an infrastructure building in Maryland University in Baltimore, dedicated for medical devices. 
Also, Maryland University, four years ago, bought a hospital in Prince, Prince John's Hospital, I think it was, mm. in George, Maryland. They mm. bought the hospital, and it's Maryland University basically is expanding its territory, you know. So I've seen it because I'm in the medical device, in medical industry. I've seen a whole lot of financial, how do you say, fluctuations, the inputs into the medical medicine sciences, you know. And that's why I started. I In reality, I started a startup, but, you know, it's, it's, you have to have connections if you want money to come to you. So I've been developing my connections and you too became my connections today, today as well. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to tell everybody out there, all our people listening, if you went ahead and you bought Perfect Day and Zuex and you make some money, you have to donate 5% uh, to any foundation of our choosing because we just gave you, or um, Abe just gave you some 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 free information to make you be able to buy these stocks. There you go. <laughs> Let the people make some money. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. I love it. Yes, sir. Well, man, Abe, this has been amazing. I really appreciate. You know, I'm glad we were able to connect uh, like this, and I know it's not going to be the last time that we connect. Um, and I appreciate you taking time and just, you know, uh, you know, choosing us to, you know, interview about this leadership and getting our thoughts on there. And then also sharing a little bit about what you're doing in your life, um, and how you're making an impact. And, you know, we, uh, uh wish you the best as you're wrapping up your years at, uh, Cary business school. And we know that, like I said, we will be in touch with you soon. And to all of our people, all the people listening to this uh interview this episode uh we just want you to just we hope this this was a refreshing episode to where one you get to hear a little bit more about our thoughts uh marlon ourselves but then also learn a little bit more about our good friend here now good friend here abe diaz um and just be be ready guys we're ready we're really we're connecting with a lot of people a lot of great people uh abe is one of them and we want to connect with many more so if you know anyone else that uh, we should interview, please reach out to us. Let us know uh, who or, or who wants to interview us. Uh, please reach out to us. And again, we want to say a special, special thank you to Abe for coming on and uh, sh- sharing with us and talking with us and being our host for today. But until next time, everyone, uh, we time. hope you have a good week. Uh, and everyone, take it easy. Bye-bye. Take it easy. Take it easy. You've been listening to The Success Journey Show, where your dreams, drive, determination, and diligence are the foundation to success. For more information, check out thesuccessjourneyshow.com. The Journey Squad is here helping you to your destination.